the lifeblood of every college football program, recruiting. Rivals has arrived. All right, welcome to another episode of Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck. And yes, it's that time of year again. No, it's not the holiday season, but it is the holiday season. And now recruiting has invaded on our holidays. It used to be in the second week of February, and now it's in December. And they have early signing day, and they have it because they want these players to, I guess, have a good holiday, possibly be able to enroll in school so that they can participate in spring football practice. And the recruiting just gets younger and younger and younger. Well, BYU and Utah have both had a lot of success in their early signing. Uh, in fact, I think early signing, Jason, is is becoming the regular signing, and probably pretty soon it'll kind of take over for the whole thing because most of these recruits are uh, pretty pretty much decided, at least by, by this point. I, I don't think there's a lot of surprises. Yeah, they are. So this, uh, um, this Utah recruiting class uh, – I, I, I kind of had this thought hit me uh, when when we uh, when I was driving in here today, knowing that we were going to have this conversation. Because you you ask yourself, well, does the success or the lack of success on the field is is there any indicator? Is there any tangible evidence of of its impact on recruiting? Because like maybe your team isn't good, but man, you are just a heck of a recruiter. Like like when Ron McBride first got to Utah, he was an amazing recruiter, yeah. right? I mean, it's, yeah, he's a great recruiter. It's what, but but the program wasn't there to sell, right? He was selling an idea, you know. He was selling the hope tough of the duty, future. Man. Yeah, it's really yeah. tough, you know. And and so you you have to ask yourself: Does the, your success on the field? And and I think in Utah's case, I think there's some tangible evidence that says yes, it does. And and here here's here's well, my, absolutely here, success. Yeah. I, I never would have went to BYU if they had a losing program back when I was leaving Rick's college. There is no way five and five. But, six but and wouldn't five, wouldn't you five. go? But would you go to Utah? Who their first season? Well, actually, that would have been was Jim Fossil. Did he recruit you at Utah? Yeah. Yep. Was it his first year? Or or had he finished his first year? I think it finished. I think eighty four was his first year. Yeah. Yeah, is it, it 84? 80, yeah, it was 84. It was his first year. I think he finished his first season because it was that fall. And he was 8-4 and four. Yeah. his first year. They had, they had a really good year. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so everyone was optimistic, like, okay, here we go. This is, this is going to be a good thing. But it didn't, it didn't strike you as, well, you, you were you, – I don't want to no, go down those I'm not switch. a good okay. example on that because I was Ohio State, Alabama, right. Texas. But, but here's, where, here's, where I think, here's where I think it's changed for Utah. It's changed in that this Clark Phillips, who just just signed, four star guy, going to Ohio State, like he's a legit guy. He's a, he's a guy um, that that won't be around too long. Like he's going to go to the NFL, but he's a legit a legit player. Okay, right. He's going to Ohio State. What happens? Utah flips him, and this is Ohio State. Yeah. Then this Van Fillinger, who's the second highest rated recruit in Utah, another four star recruit, going to Texas. You have Oklahoma. Are you, I'm sorry. You have Ohio State and Texas. Like those are as about 
prestigious universities and college football programs as you could get. Yeah. I mean, they are the big boys. They are old blood, blue blood. They are college football. They flip him. Which is huge. Which is massive. Yeah. A year ago, they sign this Cam Rising who transfers. And they think had he been able to compete last year, may have given Tyler Huntley a run for his money. And then you have this Bentley kid from South Carolina who started and just and broke his foot at the beginning of the year and and knew he wasn't in South Carolina's plans. And where does he end up? At Utah. So you've got South Carolina, you have Texas, you have Ohio State, and and those are it's not like these guys are coming from Arizona State or you're flipping a guy that might have gone right. to, you know, I don't know, even UCLA. Yeah. I mean it's not and that doesn't happen in the past. And I think that this whole recruiting thing has or ha, has been impacted by the success that Utah's had Absolutely. on the field. Absolutely. Absolutely, the success on the field impacts it. I mean, it, it makes people take notice. They think they can go to Utah and have a chance to win championships, and they can see themselves winning the championships. It sells it. So do you feel that, um, like, did you go to BYU because they just won the national championship? Did that play into It played into it. It did play into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely it played into it. I was so determined, you know, in my thoughts to get to the team that would develop me as a lineman and get me to the NFL. That was number one to me. And so I was really obviously flattered by the Texas and Ohio State and Alabama and the, you know, the real big names. And, and uh, I would just refuse to talk to any WAC conference school at the time and, uh, but BYU because they were undefeated and they had, you know, just won the national championship. And, and obviously I was tied to it through church, right. right? And my membership and, you know, all that. But, it was uh, the uh, being undefeated and winning the national championship was one of the keys to me coming. Absolutely. See, for me, it wasn't. And I think there are, there are a lot of kids that that's not the case. And it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're like mom and dad went there. I've been a fan all my life. Well, no, no, I grew up right next to the school. I mean, there's a lot of the, other factors. No, but. what I'm saying is is for me, and a lot of these kids, they go like. Well, yeah, they they haven't won there. They haven't won there in a long time, but I'm gonna change that when I go there. Yeah, that's how that's how a lot of these players think. They go, and it's I think it's changed in in a lot of regards where the players go. Yeah, I know they haven't won a championship, but we're gonna we're gonna win one. I mean, these kids, this last senior class at Utah, they had that mindset. They're like, we're we're gonna put us on the map. Yeah, and so I think there's a there's this you know it's like because why are these I guess I'm trying to get to the bottom of why do recruits go where they go? You know, why do they do it? You know, what, 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 you know, is it? It's a combination. I think, you know, obviously winning, you've got to have a winning program that influences it, but then personal relationship. I mean, next to that, I think it's, you know, my position coach, I'm a D lineman, they're D line coach. Do you just really spark, you know, that feeling between each other where you're going to like working with this guy, you believe in him, you know, he's going to develop you. I mean that's got to that's got to be the biggest factor is the position coach you're going to be working with and the in the system the coaching staff and and the team that that all influences it. So you you don't um okay what about um like well, well I'll get into that in in a little bit but let let's take let, let let's take a little bit closer look at this um this Utah class 
And I guess my question is, because everyone gets excited about recruiting or maybe disappointed. I, I, you know, you go, because Utah, apparently their ranking in the Pac-12 is eight. They're 36 nationally. Um, they were 42 a year ago. So they've, they've certainly gone up. Um, and, uh, and so they're, it, it's an improvement. I think it's a bigger improvement than that. I mean, I, I think they've they've got some, and and part of your ranking is the number of players. You know, it's like the it's the stars, and it's the actual number of players that you actually recruit. Uh, so it's a little bit misleading what those rankings mean. Uh, but my question, Jason, is: Does anybody um, have an immediate impact on this in this Utah class? <laughs> You know, it's hard. I think traditionally it's hard for uh, players to come in and have an, an immediate impact. But skilled players can pull it off quicker than a lineman can. It is extremely rare for a you know freshman to come in on the D line or O line and in the big guy positions, yeah. right? And and but more and more of these kids are doing it. I mean, you have Penny Sewell who did sophomore, and, and you have Thibodeau, the other the other um, five star guy that went to Oregon. They both did, so I, yeah, I agree with you. It is harder. It is harder. It than is much harder. Position. Usually, yeah. you can see a you know corner Mo- most receiver yeah. come in most of the time, mm-hmm. and and hit and make an impact much faster. Quarterback would be crazy to see a quarterback come and, in and, as a freshman, and they impact. and they're putting them out there. Yeah, I mean a, a lot of schools. You know, USC and Arizona State did it. Uh, US UCLA did it. The guy Auburn who. Everyone, this Bo Nix, everyone thought he was, my goodness, this guy's, you know, he was terrible. He, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. I think I he mean, put that athlete. very well, though. And, you know, you've, you've talked about this before and how they've simplified, you know, the, the read offense so that kids can come in and play yeah. as freshmen. It's not as difficult to learn as a, you know, NFL pro style right. multiple read system. Yeah. And so they can just come in and like, hey, I got to know two or three things yep. and just, and execute it. And yeah. so, they can, yeah, they can get away with playing a lot sooner now with that more simplified system. So is there anyone that in this in this Utah recruiting class you think actually is going to have some kind of impact now? Or do you know? No, I, I doubt it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone and watched film on them to know exactly. I mean, I've read over everything, and I see the scouting reports and what they've done, but – you know, to make that kind of a judgment, I'd really need to watch some film on them personally yeah. to say, man, if you can start D1, I'm like, eh, coming out of high school, that's rare. It'd be a corner receiver, I would think. So that's the thing, this Clark Phillips, this guy that, that they flipped from Ohio State, they feel like he's a guy that can come in and start day one. Yeah, and they, and they could. Yeah. You know, that, that skill position like that, I could I could see that happening. Uh, this Fillinger, they think it will probably be a couple of years, and that goes to your point where he's a defensive end uh, it may take him a year or so before he really, really gets in there. But um, probably other than that, I mean, maybe the obviously the quarterback. But those are grad transfers, and those are older players. Uh, yeah. Nate Ritchie, this you know the safety from Lone Peak, I believe he goes on a mission. Anyways, all right, yeah. interesting discussion about kind of what what does recruiting actually mean? But it is the lifeblood of your program, and I I think the success you have on the field changes that. We're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about that old school from down south. Jason's alma mater. Oh, yeah. The Brigham Young. Go Cougs. Cougars.
All right, welcome back to the show. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck, Rivals, uh, talking about recruiting. And, of course, the early signing period has it, – well, it's here. Uh, it's happened. Uh, and you have the BYU Cougars who are um, coming off of – what kind of year would you call this last season? The Jekyll and Hyde season? <laughs> That's uh, what I call it, Jekyll and Hyde, because uh, you're like, awesome this week. Uh, wait, stub your toe next week. Don't know what team I'm going to get. They're going to knock somebody off big like Boise State, but then, you know, lose to U- USF or Toledo. So, yeah, it was a bit of Jekyll and Hyde for me. It was like an emotional roller coaster. All right, so um, in the in the ranking of BYU, they're second in the independent football bowl series independent. Woo, 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 woo. I would assume probably behind Notre Dame. But ahead of New Mexico State and UMass. And, and uh, Liberty. Don't forget Liberty. Liberty. Okay. Yes, and I think Navy's in there somewhere. Yeah, Navy. Yeah. And they're 73rd. No, no Navy's in the AAC. Are they in the AAC? Yeah. Did they go? Yeah, no? they're that in was, the AAC. That was a smart move by them. Yes, it was. Uh, nationally, the, they got in a conference. Yes. Nationally, yeah. the, the Cougars are 73. A year ago, they were 81. Okay. Uh, so um, what is your – just give me your overall feeling about this recruiting class at BYU, where it is. Is it good? Is it bad? What is it? Yeah, it looks like – you know, obviously the rankings a little bit better than last year, and that tells that they're moving the you know the pendulum in the right direction. But you know, I, I've looked at, and it's early in the signing time. I mean, they don't have everybody signed right signed yet. You know, re- reviewing it, it just uh, you know looked more the same. They went a little heavier on D line because they really you know need D linemen, obviously, and uh, but it looked more of the same type of D linemen that they've recruited. The last few years, so they've got their obviously their system of pluggers in there that they they want to build the type of athletes they're going to recruit. So I didn't see a change there this year so far that I really really liked. But uh, you know, it sounds like that you know they got them a good quarterback and uh, you know for for depth, and they're going to go in the um, transfer portal for running backs again, which I think is a really good idea. Well, you you have uh, the strategy of the uh, portal. Yeah. Let me let me throw some statistics That's out. That's good for BYU. But let me throw you some statistics about the transfer portal. It, it, it's going to blow you away. There's 1,100 players that are in the transfer portal and about 147 that have actually been placed. So well, about, about, a ten, wanna, about, yeah. a tenth, about a tenth. About a tenth. About a tenth. A tenth of the players in the pool are actually getting out. Wow. Yeah. So wow. so it's a big pool. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of garbage in it. Oh, I mean, sure. And not that this is garbage, but Joe Critchlow actually went in the transfer portal. Right. He wasn't going to figure in the quarterback situation at BYU, but he was gone. So so from the transfer portal side of things, yeah, I think I think it has to be a part of your recruiting. It and has it's to certain, be a part and, of and it, it worked well. And there's dangers. You got to there's dangers. No question. Manny Bowens for Utah a year ago, yeah. they thought they'd secured up their linebacker situation, and he jilted them at the last the last moment. But I think it worked very well for BYU. It did for BYU last year. I think the running back position, it just – it was real – you know, that injury, you know, really got him to Williams. But So here, here's the thing with BYU that I think is kind of challenging. And, and well, maybe challenging is not the right word. I always, like, look at these recruits and go – I just want them to play right now. 
And and the reality is they freshmen? just freshmen. Well, no, that no. The reality is they just don't. That's no. my whole point. Is like everyone gets excited about. All right, we just signed all these new cool guys and everything. But you know, and in BYU's case, most of these guys are going to go on missions. Yeah. Like, like they're gone. They're going on missions, and that's a great thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's a great thing, but not a, not a great thing, but it's just the development moves out there two, three it's years. A, it just changes things. So yeah. then you go, okay, well, if they're going out, who's coming back? And and the reality is, is that's still up in the air. Like, like there's nobody coming back that you just go, man, I can't wait for this guy to come back. For example, like when you had Chase Hansen at Utah, and he yeah. goes on a mission, and everyone's like. Man, I can't wait till Chase Hansen gets back because he's going to be something special. Or you have a kid like Britton Covey, yeah. or some of these kids, and and they've had they've had that happen at BYU as well. But it's just it's just kind of hard when when some of these guys, you know, um, that you well, I say some, most of them are gone. You know, yeah. Well, let that, and then Lance Reynolds told me once he said, Jace, it takes a minimum a year to get these return missionaries." Back in football shape, so right. they can even contribute. Right. So I mean, it's like a one out of ten comes back and can actually contribute yeah. his first year back from a mission. It's a good point. And then they're subject to you watch it all the time. They come back and they come back too early. Coaches push them back too fast and they get injured. Yeah. I mean, you see that so often because man, did that, you? There's not their bodies aren't ready for that level of competition and speed. Did you ever see anyone who came back and just didn't have it anymore? Oh, all the time. How how all the time? How, how much of a how much of a percentage is that? Oh, I I would say the percentage was you know back when I was playing fairly high. When I say that twenty five thirty percent, one out of four. I mean, we if everybody would say we'd always talk about it. People would talk about what an advantage was to have the return missionary program and have older players. You know, Barry Switzer at Oklahoma, and right. everybody's just ripping on us. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, we lose about as many players. You know to the playing pro, you know, go right. on a mission and just have zero desire to play anymore. Yeah. We lose so many of them. That definitely evens out the guys that come back and are a little more mature and are studs. And then you have guys that come back and they play pretty good, but they don't have the fire. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? The, the piss and vinegar to punch you right, right. in the mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get punched in the mouth. You knock my tooth they'd, out. They'd rather hug you. They'd rather hug say, you. Yes. They're like, they just like mellowed them out. Yeah. Right? My they, dear, my dear brother. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, hey, why are you mad at me? Yeah. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So there, there's negatives to the, you know, it's not all advantages to send guys out on missions and bring them back is what I'm saying. It's a lot of them you come back and you lose them and, and they're not as good a player and they lost the fire in their belly and they're just riding it out to get married at school and, and you know, finish their degree. And so, it was, so it's a double-edged sword. It's positive and it's negative. Uh, so – the one, I guess, name from this whole recruiting class is Cody Epps, this wide receiver. Uh, out of modern day? Yeah, out of modern day in, in uh, Santa Ana, California. And and he's the guy I think, you know, he could maybe have an impact, maybe have an impact this year. I don't know. I don't know if he's going on a yeah. mission. I don't know what his, his status yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know if he's LDS. I, or... Yeah, but, but he, he's certainly – He's certainly kind of the the marquee name for BYU in in this recruiting class. To play right away, absolutely, at at, uh, corner. I mean, they're weak enough at D-line. You know, maybe just a real special D-lineman could come in and uh, make make an impact because they're they're weak there. Um, Quarterback, no. Running back, you know – with Katoa coming back, I mean it's a little a little better, but they definitely need to bring in a another transfer, 
you know, out of the portal like they did last year, at least at least one running back. I want to ask you this question, and it's about uh, a couple of players, probably the two highest prospects uh, for the pros that could leave, underclassmen. So you have Kyrie Tonga, a defensive lineman, as you said, and then you also have uh, Matt Bushman, the tight end. So do you think uh, – what, what do you think about those players? Should they stay or should they go? You know, I – I don't know if they're going to help themselves that much by playing another year. And I don't, you know, like move up in the draft picks very, very much farther. Um, but I don't think they're going to go that high this year either. You know, I don't, you know, Bushman, Bushman could maybe go in the third, fourth round up there pretty high. I mean, I, I really like him, but they didn't utilize him as much this year as I was hoping they would have. I think he could have had a much better year than he did if they would have used him right. I mean, he is a great receiving tight end. I mean, I've heard knocks on him as a run blocker, which you better learn how to be a run blocker in the NFL. Why? They don't run the ball anymore in the yeah, NFL. Well, that true. that hybrid tight end is like it's in vogue, man. It's it's they don't block as much as they used to. See, I, I think I think Matt Bushman should go. And yeah. I think he should go. I don't even care if he's a third round guy because he's a guy that he gets in the right situation, and that, and he'll get in the right situation because someone will go, we can utilize that guy, yeah. and 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 so okay, he finds a third round draft choice, but he gets on a good team, yeah. and he's going to play, and yeah. he's and he's going to get get he's opportunities. Got great hands, yeah. When you got a guy, Kyrie Tonga, he's going to get his lunch eat. Okay, uh-huh. he needs to stick around, and he needs to get low, right? That that seriously, and it's just. I think he can really improve his situation if if that was the case. Yeah. If he if he actually got got lower, got uh, in, yeah, right a, in now, a better Tonga, position. Right now, Tonga just watching him you know, last year, like you said, playing high and you know, and then inconsistent. Um, made some fantastic plays, obviously, but inconsistent. Then yeah. you're like, wait, where would he go for that quarter? Oh, it didn't see him that right. quarter. Right. Well, and, all play made a big play. And another year of seasoning for him, the, and and would help changing him. that play. I think would be he so made, for him. Dude needs to stay. Yeah, and he may get converted to offensive line, potentially. You think? He could get converted to the offensive line. That's the nice thing about being a good D lineman. And I didn't know they feet. converted people at BYU. <laughs> That's a good one. No, they couldn't. I've, you, you saw D lineman, college D linemen that were good enough athletes to be D linemen in the NFL were converted to O line in the NFL all the time. Right. And they made great O linemen. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. You have anything else you want to share, or are you done? No, I think we have a good subject um, coming up. Do we? Yes, I really. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about okay. you know how the does it really the like recruiting class mean more or you know NFL players coming to your program mean more? Okay. All right. Well, hey, this like round that. of rivals is over. It's over. He's Jason Buck. I'm Scott Mitchell. You can find us uh, at kslsports.com because that's who we're powered by. Please visit us on Facebook at The Rivals Podcast, Twitter at The Rivals Show. And until then, whatever you do, day or night, sleeping or awake, do not act like Jason. It's the best thing. <laughs>